0: Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Leonard Steinhorn is uh, often heard on CBS's analysis of all things Washington and, and he's been on our program before. Presidential and U.S. government political analyst professor of communication and affiliate professor of history at American University and author of the book Defending Baby Boomers. Okay. so uh, And we, we need defense. <laughs> Do you? Okay. Uh, Leonard, thank you so much for calling WKOK back again. Really appreciate Thanks a lot.
1: So, you'll be nice to me if you're baby boomers?
0: <laughs> I am. He's not. Yeah, I'm a little bit. <laughs> he's I'm, younger uh, than right. I am. I'm right. way younger. Let's start out in Washington, D.C., uh, where President uh, Biden is, you know, struggling with immigration. He's going to do this infrastructure bill today. And, and other people are saying, well, he's cognitively, uh, he's just not sharp enough. Let's start there. Let's start with the observations about his cognitive abilities, and then we'll go to issues.
1: Well, look, he did perfectly well in his news conference. Um, so that's probably the best way to judge whether he's sharp, whether he's answering the questions, whether he has a mastery of the issues. Uh, you know, so the criticisms sort of, sort of get magnified because you'll see one incident and maybe he's not as coherent as everyone might like him to be, but dial back 30 or 40 years ago and he was the same way. And in fact, so was George W. Bush. Uh, and so. Look, people have different ways of expressing themselves, of communicating. What we're looking for in a president is not necessarily a professor, um, but a leader, somebody who can process information, synthesize it, make decisions based on the evidence, uh, and provide leadership and direction for the country. And so the question really becomes, from my perspective, is Joe Biden doing that? And obviously his critics will pick apart his policies, but they haven't yet said that his policies are somehow intellectually or cognitively flawed and in the long run it's the policies and the ability to make judgments and decisions that are important in a president so we haven't seen anything that would raise any flags though given his age we should all be aware of that remember ronald reagan in his second term it was becoming increasingly apparent that there was some decline that we ultimately learned later on may have been related to his Alzheimer's. So you have to keep an eye on that, particularly somebody uh, Joe Biden's age. But
2: Ronald Reagan was a very effective communicator, and when he spoke, he made sense, and you understood where he was coming from. Sometimes President Biden just doesn't make sense. At one instance in his press conference, he was obviously lost. I mean, don't you think he should uh, be—and the fact that he had to have a a cheat sheet in front of him that showed photographs of who the reporters were, and he has a list of reporters to call on and notepads. Isn't that a little unusual? I mean, it's certainly not the John Kennedy mold who stood there, took questions— he picked out the reporters, and he answered the questions without notes.
1: Well, yes, that's John Kennedy mold, but John Kennedy was the exception. He was the master at these news conferences, um, and it was a different era. There was far less media and far less information to consume in those days. I mean, right now, you have to sort of know newspapers. You have to know online uh, outlets. You have to know radio and TV. The sort of multi multiplication of media is enormous. But that being said. Other presidents have had lists of reporters, particularly in the beginning of their term, but they've had lists of reporters. They've had order of the questions uh, that uh, people should ask. Uh, And again, Joe Biden has never been one not to stumble or meander. Um, He's done it before. He's done it over the years. He did it when he was 10, 20, 30 years younger. Um, But again, go back to Ronald Reagan. And I don't know if you're familiar with that second debate or that first debate against Walter Mondale in 1984 when President Reagan started to ramble and he started to meander and he took us on this trip up Highway 1 in California and nobody knew where he was going. Um, There were beginning to be questions about his age, but he recovered and the next debate performance he came out perfectly well and seemed on top of the information. This is going to happen to people particularly as you get a bit older. The question is, is there a tipping point that Joe Biden has reached? And I don't think that there's any evidence that there has been
0: i have to tell you my co-host is a good conservative every time you mention ronald reagan he has to stand up so (laughs) he's been standing up and down a couple times today let's talk about president biden this immigration crisis is this going to be president biden's and the democrats waterloo in 2022 and 2024 is it going to last that long and weigh them down that much
1: well, look, it's a big issue. It's a concerning issue. Um, it's going to increase more than it did even when it spiked under President Trump in terms of the number of people coming into the country uh, with, with, without legal means to do so. Um, and uh, how you manage it is the real issue. Look, we're never going to be in a space where people won't be coming into this country no matter how many walls one wants to build. People are going to be getting in. Um, So the question is how you deal with it. And again, this is sort of hit Joe Biden sort of like a big tornado uh, coming into his White House, because the spike that we're seeing in large part is coming from people in uh, uh, Central America. And why is that? Well, because there's poverty and there's gang crime and there were natural disasters, there were back-to-back hurricanes in Honduras, um, and also the cartels are sort of seizing on the notion that the borders are now open and they're tempting people to come uh, uh, over. So. It's not a good situation for President Biden. I think this is why he's dispatched the vice president to try and deal with this. And what she's trying to do is to work with those Central American uh, countries. That is really her portfolio now. She's not going to be able to stop all these people coming in, in in the short term. But working with these Central American countries to prevent people from leaving and to keep the, the governments from uh, letting their people leave, or at least getting the governments to entice people to stay, that's going to be part of her portfolio but it's more complicated because a lot of those governments are corrupt and so what you have to do is begin to work with nonprofit and non-governmental organizations and funnel money through them because if you funnel money through the governments there that money may be sort of taken in ways that it wasn't meant to be so it's a very very complicated situation in which we're not just dealing with our border we're dealing with the dynamics of some countries that are poor that are more unstable That have gotten hard hit by covid that can't deal with natural disasters and so people are going to leave um but joe biden has been hit with this whole sense of how he deals with sort of the overcrowding and the surge at the border right now with his desire to maintain a certain degree of humane treatment even though that's so difficult because we are so overcrowded so yes how he manages this, how he deals with it, how he addresses it, that's gonna be you know, sort of a gauge in terms of how people will judge his presidency, though not as much of a gauge in terms of how he deals with COVID in the pandemic and how he gets people vaccinated and gets us back to normal. I think immigration is an important issue, but it won't be as important in our politics as his uh, actions on COVID and the pandemic and vaccines and getting our economy back in shape.
2: When he announced that he was going to ask Vice President Harris to take control of the border, he was pretty clear that he intended her to actually be involved in the illegal immigration aspect of it. But apparently she has changed that and decided that she's not going to do that. She's going to, as you point out, work with the governments down there. And I would go back to your comment about the governments being corrupt. Well, we've given those governments billions of dollars over the years. You know, aren't we stupid for doing that?
1: well we may well be or maybe sort of optimistic and hopeful and sort of assuming that governments really will want to do the right thing so you know lesson learned uh, once burned twice shy so that's why the new sort of approach is to work with non-governmental organizations in those countries again that's not foolproof either because you never know whether the governments can sort of find a way to seize that money themselves Um, but you know we have to find a way to stabilize those countries and to work with them and with Mexico to be able to address their issues their concerns you know and that's also a humanitarian issue as well because the conditions in those countries are absolutely terrible but insofar as those conditions do impact us um, the more we can do to stabilize them however we can do it um, the the less impact it will have you know the the greater impact it will have on securing our borders so um this is a more comprehensive system than just worrying about the overcrowding and the you know the housing of people and the children coming here which of course is a big humanitarian issue it's a big policy issue it's a big management issue um but it's much broader than what we're actually seeing in those border towns as well
2: but don't you think president biden encouraged it by his actions and don't you think he bears the responsibility for it
1: Again, it's unclear whether people were coming over because they heard something about Joe Biden or because they are fleeing really bad circumstances or and were encouraged to do so. I mean you saw a spike during President Trump's term. I think it was in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um and nobody could blame President Trump uh for encouraging that type of movement. So a lot of times these It's the conditions on the ground, whether what we are hearing in our political sort of bubble um, that ultimately drive people to come over the border. And so, you know, again, you know, we don't know this. It's counterfactual right now, but let's assume that we could help uh, improve those economies and help those countries deal with the gangs and the crime and the corruption. Would people be more willing to stay there? You know, we don't know that. My hunch is perhaps yes. But again, we don't know. So we're all dealing with a very, very difficult situation in which nobody has all the right answers. Nobody has the solutions. Um, But you have to be able to try in any number of different ways. And obviously, President Biden is trying it in a way that's far different from the way uh, President Trump did.
0: Last question. How can President Biden get any changes in gun laws and this infrastructure bill through the Senate with the filibuster there?
1: well look infrastructure let's start with that because i think guns are going to be a lot more difficult though i do think they may 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 be able to compromise on some of those background check uh... background checks uh, even though Republicans generally don't support them because uh, you know, they're very worried about like, transferring guns within families and among friends, um, and they want to protect that, whereas the Democrats want to apply background checks to all gun transfers. So maybe there's room for compromise on that. It won't solve the issue of gun violence, um, but it may make a little bit of a difference in terms of people not being killed if somebody can't get a gun. Um, and there are other issues that they might be able to work on, such as extending the amount of time that background checks can take place before somebody automatically gets a gun if their background check hasn't come through. That was the case with Dylan Roof in South Carolina with the African-American church. He was able to get a gun because the background check got gummed up after uh, by three days and he got the gun automatically. But that being said, infrastructure. There really is widespread support for a lot of infrastructure improvements in this country. You know, Donald Trump talked about infrastructure. He didn't come up with a proposal, and it became a running joke in Washington, but he talked about it. Republicans want it. This is shovel-ready stuff. For Every member of Congress in their district, every senator in their state, this is improving the lives of people, if you can do it. It's making our ports better, our railways functioning better, our bridges more secure, our highways improve for commerce. Um, you know, it, it helps put money into manufacturing, um, broadband, you know, to be able to provide universal broadband service for everyone deal with the electrical power grid that we've seen problems in so many states, the latest being uh, Texas, or waterways, getting rid of lead pipes, um, you know, even putting um, uh, charging stations uh, and, and around the country. All of that stuff is very, very, very important. Now, Joe Biden's emphasis in part is to deal with the climate crisis um, and to help sort of channel some of that money in infrastructure that's going to be sort of environmentally better and prepare us for a future where we have to deal with a, you know, potential uh, hazardous climate. Um, But that being said, you know, regardless of what your motivation is on all of this, you need a good infrastructure to be able to improve the economy. The infrastructure is the lubricant for a good, running, smooth, modern economy. And Republicans and Democrats get that where they may disagree is how you fund it. I think that's where some of that negotiation is going to be taking place. All right. Well, we'll Fair watch enough. for
0: the negotiations. Leonard, thank you so much for thank your you. time and your insights. Really appreciate it. Thanks for calling in.
2: Really
1: appreciate hey. it, Leonard. Take care. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Bye.
0: Leonard Steinhorn, American University professor of history and communications and CBS uh, news analyst.